tires. And those new tires, they make my car look better. They make my car safer. They, they protect my car, right? They, they are better for me to have on my car because they are new and I can trust in them. You know, we've only lived in our house a couple of uh, years, but it still feels new to me. I mean, I, I really am enjoying this house. It's, it's more spacious, it has more windows, and so more light comes in, and we're really enjoying our house. New things are a lot of fun, aren't they? When you get something new, it is fun. And especially, it is good when we put on the new things of Christ so that we might be a stronger follower of Jesus. And so as we get to the second part of chapter 3 in the book of Colossians, we are going to think about, well, we've already been thinking about how we're moving from our old sinful life, right, to our new life in Christ. Remember, we have been freed from the dominion of darkness by Christ and brought into the kingdom of God. And we are therefore now filled with the Spirit of God, having accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And so God says, live now in this way. As you are new creatures in Christ, live in this new way. So we're going to read again that same passage. It's always good to take in something more than one. So whenever you see yellow this morning, please read with that. Read with me. So let's read together this first part of Colossians 3, 8 to 14. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've been taken off your old self and its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So not only to rid ourselves of our earthly desires, as we talked about last week, but we're also to rid ourselves of our evil earthly practices. Paul gives us a list of these practices. He says there are things like anger and rage and malice and slander and lying and filthy language. Hopefully you do not want these for yourself. Now, let's say someone was introducing me to their friend, and they say, oh, I'm going to introduce you to Chris. He's my friend. He is angry and slanderous, and he lies all the time. His language is filthy. He is the best friend. Now, that doesn't sound like a very good friend, does it? That doesn't sound like a very good person. That doesn't sound like a very good follower of Christ. On top of this, they are not the kinds of qualities that we want in our relationships. Having these qualities would affect our job, it would affect our marriage, it would affect our role here in church. We want to, Paul says, put these practices off. So, it's going to affect our relationships, right? It's going to affect our jobs, it's going to affect our role here in church. But while it might seem obvious that we don't want these kinds of characteristics in our life, this 
rage and anger and malice and slander and lying and filthy language. The question, though, comes is, sometimes we do have those in our lives, don't we? So how are we to rid ourselves of these things when they come into our life? Well, it's really like putting off old clothes, right? If you were wearing clothes that were terribly dirty and that were stinky, think about, you know, walking into a room, right, and you're just dirty and your clothes stink, and all of a sudden people will just start looking around like, What's going on? This is, something's wrong in this room, right? Not only would you be uncomfortable in those clothes, but everyone around you would be uncomfortable you being in those clothes, right? And you would want to put those clothes off and put on new clothes so that you didn't have to deal with that dirtiness, with that, that smell. So our old self is dirty and stinky and needs to be put off so that we can put on something new. Our old self is covered with sinfulness and selfishness and willfulness and bitterness and an unforgiving spirit. It would be foolish for us to want to live in this way and think that it is good. I run on Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays. I've, I've worked up now to running a little over 20 minutes each time. And when, I, when I'm done running and I walk into the house, I'm a little sweaty. It's true, I'm a little sweaty. And sometimes I will come up to Tammy and I'll say, oh, Tammy, do you want a hug? Now, Tammy loves me. But in that moment, she doesn't love me in that way, right? And so she kindly declines, no, thank you. You go take a shower, right? You go take a shower. When you're sweaty and dirty and, and there's... People don't want to be connected with you in that state, right? They want you to get clean and put on those clean clothes, and then she'll interact with me after that, right? Well, see, in the same way, we, would, we do not want a husband, a, a wife, a, a friend, a co-worker who is angry and slanderous and talks with filthy language. I mean, think about for a moment, if all of a sudden I just went off and I just started all this swearing in my sermon, right? If I just start swearing up and down in my sermon, I, I, first of all, that would shock you. First of all, second of all, that would say, what has gone on with Pastor Chris? Why is he swearing right now? And third, I'd probably have an emergency meeting with the session out after church, right? Like, what is going on with you? Why? You do not want a pastor who's angry or slanderous or malicious or has filthy language, you would not want that in your pastor, right? Would you want that in, your, in yourself? I would hope you would say, no, I don't want that in my life. So instead of letting these things dwell in our life, we need to put them off. There's a story of a, a shipwreck and two men, only two men survive. They're able to swim to this desert-like island and they realize that the only thing they could really do was to pray. So they agreed that they would pray, but they said, Let's see whose prayers are more powerful. So they said, you go to one side of the island, and I'll go to the other side of the island, and we will pray. And so the first day, they prayed for food, of course. They wanted food. And, and the next day, there, there was these fruit-bearing trees that allowed them to eat fruit. And so they were eating fruit for a while, and then about a week went by, and the first man decided that he was lonely. And so he prayed for a wife. And the next day... There was a shipwreck, and only one survivor from the shipwreck was a woman who happened to swim to the, the first man's side of the island. How wonderful was that, right? 
Well, as the days went on, he began to, to pray for, for other things, for a house, for, for clothes, for, for more food. And each time he prayed, those things came. And then he thought, you know, I'm going to pray for a boat so we can get off this island. And the next day, he found docked on his side of the island was a boat. And so he and his wife got onto the boat, but he didn't tell his friend that there was a boat. And as he was stepping on the boat, there was this big, booming vo voice that says, Why are you leaving your companion on this island? To which the first man said, My blessings are mine alone, since I was the one who prayed for them. His prayers have all gone unanswered. Therefore, he is not deserving of anything. To which the voice res responded, You are mistaken. He had only one prayer, which I answered. If not for his prayer, you would not have received any of your blessings. And the first man said, what has he done? What did he pray for that I should owe, owe him anything? And the voice of God said, he prayed that all your prayers would be answered. How often do we just pray and we get our prayers answered, but we don't realize that maybe they're answered because someone else is praying for us, right? How often are we selfish only thinking about ourselves? This leads us to our evil practices, this selfishness. Paul tells us to put off our old self and to put on our new self. And then he gives us a new list of what we are to put on. Remember the old list we were put off, rage and malice and anger and, and slander, lying. He says, put on these new clothes, compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Does that sound like a better list? Does that sound like better clothes to clothe ourselves with? These characteristics we can only put on if we take our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on others. When we seek the Lord and His will and not our own will, we have to open our eyes and look for these situations where we can be kind and compassionate and, and gentle and forgiving, right? We have to actually want to be humble instead of being proud or arrogant. We have to be okay with not receiving accolades or attention. Those are the new clothes we put on that the Lord has given us. Actually, you don't have to really look too far for these opportunities, right? You probably could look back at your week, this last week, and think about different opportunities you probably had Maybe you took advantage of them, maybe you didn't, but these opportunities were there for you, right? Someone had a need. Were you kind in helping them? Someone was in despair. Did you show them compassion? Someone had a really great experience. Did you uplift them, encourage them for it, or did you try to top them with your own success story? See, we have these opportunities all the time to be kind and giving and forgiving, right? In this passage, Paul challenges us to live in this new way as Christ followers. And then he finishes off this section. Again, read the yellow with me. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing unto God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
So we have this message of Christ dwelling within us. It is there, hopefully, daily for us to remember, right? Each day we remember God has this message for us to know and to live. This is the message of love and compassion and, and forgiveness. It is a, there's no way we can forget if we really remember Jesus and his love for us and his compassion for us, and his forgiveness for us. And as we keep that in our minds, then we will remember daily this message from God. Since we have put on these new clothes that Christ has given us to put on. I might have mentioned this before, but one of the turning points in my life was when I read this book called The Practice of the Presence of God. It was written by a monk named Brother Lawrence. And he talked about in this book about how we should daily minute by minute, include God in our thoughts and in our conversations. And I remember getting to this point in my life where, where now I just, it's just regularly having a conversation with God, thinking about things, telling about things, you know, the things that concern me, the things that excite me, the things that I'm, I'm wanting to do or needing to do, the, the asking, what is your will for me, Lord? I'm constantly come conversing with God. That is prayer, keeping Jesus in my thoughts, having that conversation with him throughout the day. And when we do this, we're more able to be the person who we are called to be. We're more able to put on these new clothes. We are more able to know the will that God has for our lives when we are constantly thinking about and conversing with Christ. And as we have this message in Christ within us, we experience the peace of God in our lives. You know, peace is an important aspect in life, so many people go around not with peace in their life. They struggle. They don't have peace. But without, so without peace, we struggle to enjoy life, right? We're always worrying and, and, and just life is a weight on our shoulders. See, when we have peace, without peace, we worry more and we trust God less. Without peace, we feel at odds in our life. Our life just doesn't feel quite right. It just doesn't feel comfortable or like it should be. We just don't know, where am I supposed to be, Lord? Where are you leading me? Without peace, we feel at odds with our life. But with peace, we can be comfortable in who we are and what God has called us to do. God has created us wonderful, right? He's created us each unique and special. And when we have peace in our life, we can be comfortable with that. We can, we can just rest in who God has made us to be. We believe that all things work out for the good when we're at peace. We trust that God will take care of things. We can recall more readily the message of Christ because we're not worried about so many things. Our thoughts are not on so many things, but on what does God have for me today? And we, we hear the message of Christ more readily. But Paul reminds us that we aren't just to know the message of Christ, we are to share this message of Christ with others. When Paul talks of teaching, he's not talking about those who have the gifts of teaching. He's talking about all of us. All followers of Christ should be teaching others this important message. Put on the new clothes. God has new clothes for you. I don't know if your family's like our family, but like at birthdays or Christmas time or whatever, if you get clothes for a gift, what do you think you have to do? You need to go try it on, and you need to come back and show everybody that it fits well, right? Especially the person that got it for you. They want to make sure that that piece of clothing they got you fits right. 
Put on those clothes. So we, we try to teach others. God has clothes for you. Put them on. Try them out. Let's see how they fit on you. You try to teach others about who Jesus is and, and this new life that Christ has for them. I don't know if you read the Gospels too closely, but did you notice that one of the things Christ does the most in the Gospels is he goes around teaching, right? And it's not in the synagogue most of the time. Most of the time he's out there with people, right? When he was calling the disciples, he was teaching them at that moment, wasn't he? When he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And like, what does that mean? And he was teaching them, what does it mean to be fishers of men? When he went on the mountaintop, remember, and he taught the Beatitudes. From Matthew chapters 5 all the way through 7, he was on the mountain teaching the Beatitudes. Great passage. I encourage you to read it. What is Jesus teaching here? Right there, out on the mountain, all the people gathered together. As you travel through the Gospel of Matthew, you see that Jesus is teaching his disciples. When a storm comes up, he teaches them, right? When the disciples of John the Baptist come to him and ask him about fasting, he teaches them right at that moment. He doesn't say, oh, you know what? Friday in the synagogue, I'm starting a series on fasting. Why don't you come in here? Right at that moment, he begins to teach them about fasting, right? He takes those opportunities that are right before him, and he uses them as opportunities to teach. These are called the interruptible moments of Jesus' life. He was constantly being interrupted and allowing those interruptions to be opportunities to teach. If you, really, if you take away those interruptible moments, then you'll see actually very little teaching of Jesus. So, what does this mean for you and me? When I say that we are teach the message of Christ to others, I don't mean just teaching with our words. I mean, yes, that's true. We teach with our words. But I also mean teaching with our lives, right? By living the example of Christ, we teach others by the way we live. We teach others about the love of Christ when we walk with them through their pain. We teach others about forgiveness when we forgive them for wronging us or when they see us forgive others. The truth is our our teaching is more powerful when it comes through our example and not just through our words. When we come to church each week, we show that we have a commitment to worship God and that God is important in our lives. When we serve in the church, we speak of a message of giving ourselves away to others. When we help others in times of need, we teach a message that God cares about those in need. If you were to use the phrase, you know, that, that person, he's a changed person, she's a changed person, what do you mean by that? You mean that that person is, is becoming a, a better person. They're, they're putting off these qualities that are not good, and they're putting on qualities that are good, right? And that's really what Paul is talking about right here. He's talking about us becoming changed people in Christ. Maybe they were making poor choices, choices that only benefited themselves, but now they have become a person who thinks about others also, and cares for others, and serves others. Maybe they were squandering their life away with their bad choices and, and not taking advantage of the opportunities that God was giving them, but now they are living a fruitful life for the Lord. They are becoming a changed person. Are we becoming those changed people? We do that by putting off the old self and by putting on the new self, by putting off anger and slander and, and lying and filthy language and by putting on compassion and kindness and, and forgiveness and love. 
So what is this new life? This new life is being committed to Christ in our hearts and minds. This new life that God calls us to is putting off our sinful practices and being more Christ-like in our behavior. This new life is practicing godly behavior. And if you don't know what that is, you can talk to me or you can talk to one of our elders. This new life is seeking to teach others about who Jesus is and how Jesus calls us to live. Do you really know who Jesus is? Do you really know a lot about him? If so, are you living that way? Are you teaching others about Jesus so they too can know Jesus? This is what it means to put on our new clothes and to walk in Christ. So let us commit ourselves as those who have been raised with Christ to live in this new life, putting on these new clothes. Let us pray.